0: Any of the blame belong to you. Yes, because for many years I was a Democrat.
1: We go to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington. Surely God is mad and America. It is also about what you, the people
0: who love this country, the citizens of the United States of America. I, just I love Greek like yogurt. I love the Faya yogurt, but Chobani is garbage. It's the worst thing I've ever had. I, like I hate it. It's terrible.
1: Ooh, R.I.P. I'm a big fan of Chobani.
0: No, I hate Chobani. Chobani is the worst. You know what I really like? Skler. What? The Icelandic yogurt. That is like my favorite. Lur? It's called skull skr? Skr?
1: Is it called something that's utterly impronounceable because it's a Nordic language and Skur. those are more ridiculous?
0: Skur. Yes.
1: I'm telling you, if you're if you're hungry, just eat something.
0: No, it's good. Get cranky when you
1: Hungry, and then and then you're you're more usually insulting to me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sorry in advance.
1: <laughs> you gotta apologize in advance. Yeah,
0: yeah, because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be kind of right, I'm gonna be kind of grouchy.
1: That's necessary for, yeah. for what, when we go over the uh, the years events.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I need to have like a harsh attitude. <laughs> I need to be yeah. like, kind of grouchy about it. So I, I feel like yeah, like a really hangry like. Sense of like sense of mind would be really really good for evaluating.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I, <laughs> I was telling you before, just like get something. You're gonna get Chinese food later and reward yourself. Might as well at least uh, you know at least get something so that way I you know am not on the end of your verbal broadsides.
0: I can't guarantee that, Alex.
1: You you, you ruined me, Teresa. I stay. I don't stand a chance against
0: you. I know. And I, I don't it's like stand a chance against hanger, a so it is what it is. It's
1: like shooting fish in a barrel with a machine gun.
0: I would also go for sushi now that you bring it up
1: sushi. I'd yeah. like sushi as well, yeah, now you're making me hungry, and I literally just ate. Welcome to the yeah.
0: podcast, My name is Teresa. I'm hangry, just like the year of twenty sixteen <sighs> that's Alex Malahan. He's about to be on the receiving end of a lot of hanger. You ready
1: uh. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm pretty sure I've dealt with worse from you.
0: I don't think you have. It's going to be a whole yeah, new ball game, dangerous. buddy. Yeah. It's going right. to be a different rodeo. I'm gonna, I'm gonna what, are other, what are other things that you can yeah. use to describe that? This horse race is going to be... No, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm hungry. Um, uh,
1: out of the frying pan and into the fire? No, that's no, a food metaphor. That's, that, not that's even, probably not helping I don't good, think no. that's
0: even a thing.
1: Out of the frying pan and into the fire?
0: I don't think that's a thing.
1: That's absolutely a metaphor. I don't know if it's the correct metaphor. It is a metaphor.
0: Huh? What is it for? What does it represent?
1: Like, from leaving, uh, you got out of one bad situation, only to find yourself embroiled in a worse situation.
0: Oh, I see. Oh, that's kind of fun. Oh, I see. That could be. It was using
1: a Jay Z metaphor, and for hundreds of years before that.
0: I see. And then before that. Ah, I forget. I was going to say something rude, but I decided against it. Um... What
1: about Jay Z or about me?
0: No. Nothing. Um, (laughs) So today we're talking year in review. Um, We're looking back on the year's events month by month and kind of picking out the biggest um, political and cultural uh, events, mostly political. This has been a very political year. Um, Today our guiding mantra is brought to us by the philosopher-poet Kylie Jenner, who wisely said in January that 2016 will be the year of realizing stuff. And just like Kylie Jenner, I realized that I need to spend more time on my beauty regimen, but also a lot of other difficult things along with the rest of America. Um, so <laughs> I think we'll we'll bring it, bring it to a head. We'll start in January. Um, January was a really interesting time this year because we didn't know that things were going to be as dark as they got. Um, oh,
1: God, we had no idea.
0: We had no idea. We didn't know what we were in for. Luckily, two of the big... Uh, Controversies that we faced in January were more um, biological disasters than anything else, um, than the yeah, biological disaster health, that would health. become elected in November. Um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> These were more, they were more, they were public health crises. The, yes. the Flint water crisis and Zika. Um, I mean, not only that, but they were also kind of contained. So while, you know, the, the Flint water crisis was pretty... Pretty horrifying, as was uh, the Zika outbreak. Uh, most of them, I mean, they they kind of passed me over because, um, you know, uh, when I was in Miami, they were it was still sort of the summer, so there were still like warnings about how to uh, curb the spread of Zika everywhere. I mean, that was a that was a big deal.
0: Well, it went down as far as DC because I remember we were all convinced that we had it. I mean, I'm convinced that oh, I yeah, had you're, everything. You're, you're talking-
1: because you're a hypochondriac, right? You showed up to the doctor and told him that you had a uh, I I am Zika.
0: not a hypochondriac. I just remain constantly vigilant.
1: Remain constantly... We were talking about Ebola in the first recording. You said, didn't you... You went to a doctor thinking you had Ebola? I
0: didn't say I had Ebola. I just was a little concerned about it.
1: But you may have had a flesh-melting disease. Well,
0: so here's the... Here's the, um, here's the background to that story. I had... <laughs> I had a cold... <laughs> <laughs> I had like I had the voice. But um I went to I went to the doctor and I um you know and I was like really convinced I had something, I had all the like the symptoms of a cold or whatever. And I, I really thought it was like, you know, the starting signs of something. And because there was so much about Ebola in the news, I you know, I was like, look, I'm just really concerned it might be something else. And the doctor kinda gave me this long, long stare and then handed me a pamphlet that says, So you have a cold? <laughs>
1: See, there's no way you can tell that story and
0: not sound like a hypochondriac. Yeah, but the thing (laughs) is, the starting phases always seem like a cold. Have you noticed that? They always start out like a cold, and then, boom, you're bleeding out your eyeballs.
1: I've never gotten Ebola, so I can't really, you know. So you'll have to trust me on this one. So, moving into February, we, we had, um, the politics started to get a little, I mean, the politics of January was sort of like the pre-primaries, but in February. Well, there were still 16, uh, I believe 15
0: bubble. members in the, or uh, people in the um, Republican primary process, and there were at least four oh, yeah. in the Democrats. I don't know if um, Professor Lawrence Lessig was still in at that point. Um, but definitely, no, I think, I think it was
1: it was pretty much Jim Webb by
0: that point. and uh, Mitch. No, oh my God, I was going to say Mitch Jane, McConnell, Lincoln Chafee, Lincoln Chafee, my boy Lincoln Chafee.
1: Oh, you like Lincoln Chafee? I love Chafee. Lincoln
0: oh. Chafee. I thought he was a delight. Oh, he, and Jim Webb. He hated. Did I say Jim Webb?
1: He's hated in the moment. Yeah, I like Jim Webb. I mean, fun fact, I mixed up Jim Webb for Tim Kaine. For I'm not you even joking. It, it took until after the
0: election. They look alike. But
1: I thought. that. They look alike, and they're both Virginia conservative Democrats.
0: There's some white boys.
1: It was a, it was an easy mistake to make. It was. It was a very easy
0: I mistake totally to understand make. it. Jim Webb has like more of a, a spooky vibe going.
1: No one called me out on it either.
0: Yeah, I, I because mean, I nobody noticed cal- because no one can tell them apart.
1: It's enough about either.
0: Anyway, um, um, February. Uh, so yeah. it was the side of the first time of the first uh, first debates. Um, ben Carson. Made made the headlines for walking the wrong way at the ABC I'm Republican debate.
1: Sleepy <sighs> Ben,
0: poor Ben Carson. Sleepy
1: Ben is—he's just always asleep.
0: Yeah, I can. The thing is, I think that people are being too harsh on them because I can a hundred percent relate. I was telling Alex earlier that I accidentally did this um, at my high school uh, National Honor Society. Ceremony. I walked into the wings when I was supposed to walk off the stage, and rather than walk off the stage and face um, a crowd of a thousand parents, um, proving the fact that I didn't deserve to be in the National Honor Society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. You were the wrong.
1: Stage.
0: Well, I I exited through the back exit and I walked through the parking lot. It
1: was <laughs> a really. I mean, to be fair, it's, it's Ben Carson. Like I said, he literally walked back across the stage you almost made the mistake as Ben Carson except instead of sleepwalking back across the stage like a certain but presidential could you candidate. you imagine
0: the security risk if Ben Carson had taken my tack and like decided yeah, to exit through, through a parking lot?
1: <laughs> I mean, there's also the risk of him slowly like, floating off into space. Like, hey, he
0: isn't that Ben open. Carson?
1: <laughs> is that Dr. Carson? Is, um, it
0: ben, um, is he's that, he's that Dr. Be, ben like Carson? Um, in he's other... gonna be our HUD secretary. Yeah, he's gonna be the new HUD secretary. Um. In other Republican primary news, Jeb Bush was floundering at this point um, in his campaign.
1: Jeb, when Jeb, Jeb oh. so enthusiastically requested that you please clap. He What's was just Jeb? the saddest campaign. That was really just like uh, that was a um, a pretty monumental failure of the Bush of the Bush dynasty of the Republican Party. Don't put
0: this on I, the Bushes. It was hard this to... was Jeb's failure and Jeb's alone.
1: It was hard to not feel bad for Jeb. It, it was like you just watched as he was he the, is he the younger brother?
0: Yeah, of course he's the younger is brother. He the elder.
1: Yeah, of uh, course. Who's the elder? Is George the eldest?
0: Who? George W. Bush. Yeah.
1: Yeah, George W. The eldest. Um, I remember watching W. You remember the the Oliver Stone movie? It came out like ten years ago. It was like a biography of George Bush. Yes. Where it made it seem like Jeb was the the one who they liked, and George was like. You know the the kind of ignored son, but it, it feels like it's the opposite at this point in time. I mean, Jeb was just um, uh, Jeb just had the most pathetic campaign. It was like you, you remember the 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 dude who made the burgers and the grandfather made the burgers, and none of his kids showed up.
0: Oh, are this? this everyone was are like, you saying oh, that, that Jeb Bush is the papa of. The,
1: Bush is the sad Republican <laughs>
0: campaign, like,
1: another primary. that
0: makes him even vital. cuter. I just want to tuck him in my pocket. I want to always have a Jeb Bush in my pocket.
1: Ah, uh, yes. That way you can uh, have you know something to compare yourself to positively.
0: don't down. be mean to him. He is such a fragile egoist. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> at this point, I'm sure he does. And bigger, bigger news. And uh, bigger uh,
0: Republican loss. Further losses. with the president. Anton Scalia, um, yeah, Anton Scalia passed away, leaving a massive hole in the uh, in the Republican bench or in the, the in court? the Supreme Court bench as it is um, and is it part, still right? remains vacant um, and that leads into March, um, which uh, led to the nomination of Merrick Garland by President Obama. Um, blockaded by uh, Senate Republicans including Mitch McConnell under the Biden rule which is kind of interesting they kind of used um, Repo- House Republicans or Senate Republicans used uh, a, Democratic a, a, Democratic, them, yeah. a Democratic procedural which I'm all about I like a little bit of a sneakiness in my politicians I'm all about it so
1: with Garland I think that nothing so clearly sort of illustrated the the self-serving you know opportunistic nature of um of the the Republican Party over the past eight years, uh, and that Garland is a pretty acceptable choice by you know any margin. The dude is a moderate, you know. He could be a liberal Republican. He could be a conservative Democrat. You know, he's very much in the center, a very milk toast choice. I mean, I think that's part of why Obama picked. Yeah, him.
0: that was he definitely that. a strategic choice because it was supposed to make the Republicans look stupid. But joke's yeah, on Obama, I mean, because it, it, only, only we can make ourselves look stupid President Obama. Yeah.
1: Because, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, Mitch McConnell uh, took a pretty serious gamble here. In, um, Not in necessarily. Because, uh, I mean, if Clinton had won, Clinton pretty much would have gotten, you know, carte blanche to appoint whomever she desired.
0: Yeah, that's You
1: true. know? I mean, th- th- there was the risk that they could have appointed, you know, another Sonia Sotomayor or another on it. Um, that that was one of the more frustrating stories of uh, the entire Merrick Garland saga, because like I said, it was just such naked political you know opportunism, and um, I mean it's sort of that the same partisanship that's crippled this country the past eight years. And I mean now that I mean it paid dividends on a practical level. I have to admire the congressional Republicans because you know they've won a pretty serious coup here. They they're going to be able to uh, alter the nature of the court for. A generation and, and a lot of the huge, Republicans but. voted
0: for Trump because the because of the Supreme Court appointment so I don't think it was something without value or without ta- uh some type of tactical backing
1: yeah I think that it I think it uh, on a strategic level it made a lot of sense though like I said it is just sort of a, uh, a distressing otherwise I mean not a precedent because the precedent is there but certainly one of the more annoying features of American politics
0: so in other Republican news from that march um It was kind of the site of the breakdown of the Rubio campaign um, with the Trump. And we disagree about this. I think that this was the moment of the Rubio campaign breakdown. Alex thinks it was uh, Roboto Rubio. Um, Is it, was that it? Roboto Rubio? Did I get that right? What moment did you say was the
1: the real breakdown? You said it was the moment where Donald Trump uh, reassured the world on national television that uh, he didn't have, that he had a
0: decent-sized penis. You betcha. I think like the only thing really, really missing, and of course Carly Fiorina can't necessarily participate in this, but I really think that the only thing missing from the Republicans' debates uh, was just everybody whipping it out on the table. (laughs) I think that would have been a fine way to make a decision. Look, as a Republican primary voter, if this is how we're going to continue to act, I demand that we include...
1: (laughs) <laughs> a, ma- a literal dick measuring contest yeah
0: there's actually a really great uh, there's a great bit from um, one of uh, Kate McKinnon's bits on Saturday Night Live as um, the oh my god uh, Kellyanne Conway um, where Your future yeah where they're she's like they're playing she, uh, Kate McKinnon is playing Kellyanne Conway on Fox News and she says well you know we would like to get back to talking about policy too. And if President Obama would simply put it on the table, we could get back to talking about the things that matter. So I really I really think a lot of time and effort could have been saved by us just simply putting it on the table and moving forward. And that's honestly yeah. what Donald Trump tried to do. So, you, well, know, you it's, know, it's neither here <laughs> nor there. I'm just picturing
1: this actually happening now. I mean, oh my God. how? how
0: Why do you how think they have those, think those little is- ledges on podiums?
1: <laughs> for precisely this reason, exactly. Um, February, March was the death of the uh, the death of the Rubio campaign. Uh, also, in uh, March was Super Tuesday, which was when uh, the Trump train really began to pick up speed, and, and uh, everyone started to come to the conclusion that, oh no, this is going to actually, you know, I mean, at least for conservative, be Trump.
0: I mean, it became apparent to everybody. You know, that was when people started really, you know, the Never Trump movement really picked up. uh, Women for Hillary, uh, Republican women for Hillary. I mean, there was a couple of, you know, counter movements in there, none of which were very successful.
1: No, none of them were. It was um, uh, I mean, I think that was sort of, gall nature of American politics. I mean, in a parliamentary system, I think the Republican Party would have. But that's sort of you know idle based speculation.
0: No, we don't live in England. But the point was, March was when it became apparent. Um, Also in March was uh, some weeding out on the Democratic side, um, which was difficult because uh, the other Democratic candidate turned into a Disney princess.
1: (laughs) The Bernie Sanders moment.
0: (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) That was 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 really nice. I
1: I thought nature abhorred old Jewish men. I mean, I know that whenever I go, camping I, I immediately get attacked by all the peaceful woodland critters so i was just very surprised to see how how accepting uh, nature was of, of bernie
0: maybe that should have been assigned to us
1: <laughs> i mean may, maybe also maybe the fact that the grout turned black at hillary clinton's step probably Aww, didn't, didn't
0: help us at all i don't know about uh, that, that. Yeah,
1: you know, there's too bad because in the early stages of the campaign the onion ran articles about hillary like where she was like depicted as a conqueror like a dark lord oh i love it was, that it was, it was like those were what well, it was like 600 war elephants on the horizon signal arrival of clinton campaign in swing state i was oh, like this is the funniest way to do it. a war elephant war elephants are sick How about you but in lord of the rings the coolest scene is when the elephants roll away i'm cutting you and, off uh,
0: just absolutely right now you no no no, oh, no no we are done talking about this okay and then in border. south of the border, is it south of the border? Is Cuba south of Florida?
1: Like Cuba's south of Florida, but there's no land east? border. It's a maritime border. I don't usually think of directions. I think of it, you know.
0: Okay, I think fine. of south of the south border. South of the border. maritime like, border news. Are you happy? Yeah, there it? we go. Okay. Um, in south of the maritime border news, um, President Obama made his first trip to Cuba um, in March in, uh, I believe it was 90 years a U.S. president. Um, has gone yeah, since even, making the trip even, it isn't as monumental predated, as the, the kardashians ownership. trip which was in may um but it was still pretty important <laughs> i would say
1: You, <laughs> i like how you blacklisted celebrity deaths but are still telling us about the kardashians
0: here I'm gonna point yeah out. i made a rule that we can that we couldn't talk about celebrity deaths this episode but um i none of the kardashians died well, I don't know. It's still we're recording this on the twenty third, so they or excuse me, thirtieth. So they have one more whole day.
1: Yeah. Uh, I feel like if anybody, we have to keep an year, eye on Scott Disick. I don't Disick. think anyone would be surprised.
0: <sighs> I worry. Yeah, there have been worse uh, in the you know in the last. He uh, talks about opening up trade for a while, but um, in March was the uh, Obama's first visit to Cuba. In it was, I believe, it was ninety years for a U.S. Yeah, president. First, so that was first
1: like, visit by a U.S. president.
0: That was enormous. That was a huge, huge Huge. visit. And I don't know. I mean, I think that Trump will. Trump literally might have forgotten about Cuba. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if necessarily those sanctions will, uh, you know, be. stated or what um oh. based on uh his direction but it's definitely going yeah. to it's definitely there's definitely going to be some type of tightening under a republican oh. presidency definitely not as much as under a q uh Cruz or a rubio but we'll definitely yeah. have it, to see it, on that um so there it's was hard that to visit. tell
1: because trump is i mean the dude isn't like a hardline republican you know trump isn't um not a traditional Republican, so he doesn't have a lot of their traditional animosities. And, um, I mean, Trump. uh, there were reporters of Trump having business dealings, of Trump circumventing the embargo um, in order to have dealings with the Castro government and dealings in Cuba. So um, uh, the issue on reopening relations with Cuba, it's not necessarily a question of will Trump allow it. It's a question of how does this extremely temperamental man deal with, you know, highly sensitive negotiations? And highly spicy food. For that, it's just hard to say.
0: It's really, only time will tell. So, I mean, we saw him with the Taco Bowl on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> I love Latinos. Oh my god, that's awful. Um, and then, so, moving on to March, there was... No, excuse me, sorry, we're in April. Um, moving on to April. Um, very little happened in April, surprisingly.
1: Yeah, not not a whole lot. My birthday, but no one really cares about that. Yeah, it's I don't care about horrible.
0: that. No, no one cares about that. Um... In April, Harriet Tubman appeared on the $20 bill. Um, she was uh, put there by Treasury Secretary Jacob Lew, um, replacing Andrew Jackson, who I actually liked as a president because of his awesome really? hair and his can-do attitude.
1: Yeah. Um, Andrew Jackson was just the most vicious, murderous bastard we've ever Did had. Did he have some actually, problems? It's, it's, yes. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's actually kind of funny that Trump won because Trump is in a lot of ways like he's he's very a modern
0: similar Andrew these Jackson
1: guys. yeah Trump, Trump is a modern day Andrew Jackson in a lot of ways and I
0: mean except for I um, can't really I actually, Donald Trump on a horse
1: yeah I'll, I put him on the horse but it's it's easier just to uh you know, put him in his gold-plated tower. I think the gold-plated tower does a lot better than yeah, the Yeah, Andrew Jackson,
0: would, um, I mean, they were both populist presidents, but Andrew Jackson would never hang out in a gold-plated tower. He is single-handedly responsible cool, for the destruction of a lot of White House artifacts because he let just everybody in there, which is why we don't let anybody yeah. hang out in the White House, you dingbats.
1: He let people in. He let people. He let the people come to his election, and they trashed the White House. That come is a on, hilarious. You
0: never let in the common people. They will break all your stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, among other things, every he, he frat also, house knows that. Sorry. If we're, we're going to go into uh, best Andrew Jackson moments, oh, no. One of them was when the Supreme Court was like, "Hey, you can't deport the Cherokee," and Andrew Jackson's response was, "Watch me." Which is the kind, once again, that's, the kind of president we're probably dealing
0: with. That's not what I would um, call a good Andrew Jackson moment. Maybe a stereotypical Andrew Jackson moment.
1: Certainly one of his most, uh, I would say it was one of his defining moments. A um, moment where you just shake your
0: head and say, classic Andrew Jackson. Deporting so his war against
1: economic <laughs> deporting uh, undocumented individuals. Um, his, war against econ- his war against economic common sense also would be uh, right at home in the Trump administration. Um, but that's, we're not here to discuss Andrew Jackson. Uh, we actually are kind of here to discuss Donald Trump though. So actually we should move into, we can move into May now because May was much more of an interesting month than April.
0: Oh yeah. Um, um yeah. So, I mean,
1: what, Go ahead. <laughs> uh, the big thing that happened in May, I, I would say was at least we're talking about the, the presidential horse official of Ted Cruz campaign had a comical meltdown, uh, wherein, um, Ted proceeded to elbow his wife in the face multiple times Aww. while uh, hugging his vice presidential choice Carly Fiorina, uh, and then lost Indiana. Carly's a
0: lovable gal. Um, which
1: ended. Um, Carly Fiorina cost my aunt her job at HP, so my aunt has a very low opinion of Carly. That one um, makes sense. So uh, also in, in May was uh, the Freddie Gray cases verdict. Yeah, which were which sparked riots as, as you know he was the officers were found not guilty, and um, I think that this is sort of a story which was ongoing the entire year, which was, um, the constant, um, the constant issue of police violence and how we should go about criminal justice reform.
0: And also um, kind and of, and you know, of p- helped sink Clinton as well because of her criminal justice reform actions in the nineties.
1: Yeah. In the nineties. Yeah. Um, a lot of these, a lot of these, um, these conversations though, um, a variety of factors. Um, Ended up violently in 2016. If we're going to talk about, you know, the the Black Lives Matter movement and um, the the struggle for uh, criminal justice reform, uh, we had riots in Baltimore, we had riots in Charlotte, um, we had uh, attacks on police officers, and I think that a lot of this um, this sort of breakdown of law and order and Donald Trump's promise to be a law and order candidate uh, in no small part aided his. Growth as a candidate and in his ascent as a candidate. Um, you know, as you know, these people, as the silent majority, I guess, uh, the reason they originally voted for Republicans in the late '60s, because of this sort of breakdown in law and order, because of these riots, um, because of these, you know, these debates on racial justice had sort of gotten out of hand as they had felt, and um, it propels more conservative, more hardline candidates into office into power. And I think that the, the reaction of liber- a lot of liberals to the riots in, in May um, were a good example of that. Because I remember reading, you know, in The Atlantic, which is not a super liberal peace uh, journal by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, just people, like, defending these riots, you know, and saying that, you know, they, they were within their rights to do so. But for the average, you know, working class, middle class white person, the answer is, like, what the, what the hell? That's ridiculous. So um, it's sort of one episode in...
0: Is that your middle class or working class white guy? What, what the
1: hell? Uh, <laughs> uh, I would actually say that my working class and middle class white family uh, have said things like that in much less uncertain terms. Mm-hmm. Um, not a particularly high opinion of the Black Lives Matter movement amongst uh, the white um, the white majority, at least the, the more members of it. Um, oh, things like this. But like um. I said, the, the matter movement is probably something that uh, would be better discussed if there were... Two blonde, relatively conservative individuals uh, discussing it. So oh, it may also another incident which is. you were a big fan of the libertarian.
0: I am so excited about the libertarian convention. Let me tell you about it because I didn't know about it until after it happened. It was picked up <laughs> by an incredible podcast that I love called Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, and they did they went really into it. One of the hosts, Ben Kessel, is this real libertarian. I think he was there for it. But the way he describes it is truly poetic, and I suggest you go listen to it. Um, but um, Libertarian Party chair candidate James Weeks went up on stage in a thong. Okay, so not completely naked, but he went up stage in a thong. Uh, went on stage in a thong um, and uh, did some, did a little dancing. He had what I, I would call a Theresa Meyer typical seriously. Saturday night. Typical Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh man, <laughs> there's so many jokes I could make there.
0: No, um. <laughs> don't don't even make any that. Um. So, <laughs> um, it was so and I don't know. Would... I and we we looked super alike too because he was like three hundred pounds and had a beard. So, we're pretty much on the same page. Basically, so. basically twins.
1: Yeah, <laughs> him being a. A large man with a beard, yep. and uh, you also being a large man with a beard. Yep, yep. Twenty sixteen.
0: I, like I sound like a. I sound
1: like a twenty sixteen. Um, uh, I sound like a large man with a beard, don't I? Yeah, <laughs> a little. Um, so moving oh, wow. on to June, and June and July were some pretty crazy months. Um. First, we had in June was the the Pulse nightclub shooting, which uh, we kind of talked about a little in last week's episode um, about the broad terrorism, but um, I personally found the Pulse nightclub attack fascinating for one reason, and that was because um, uh, the Pulse nightclub shooting was the ultimate Rorschach test uh, for American politics. Um, No matter who you were, there was something for you to get upset about. Uh, It had uh, questions about Islamic terror, questions about gun control, about homophobia, you know, uh, about tolerance in our society and so there was just so many different angles that you could approach it from that literally everyone was able to get upset about pulse and you know you could by asking someone's opinion on pulse by you know asking what they felt was one of the most important factors you, you could get a very solid understanding of where everyone stood in the um, in the political spectrum I, I found it to be very useful um, so
0: not cool at all um,
1: yeah I, I <laughs> Um, moving on, yeah, also beyond in June, that in June,
0: in June um, we had, this, then, whatever. um, later in June, we had, um, the vote that rocked the, well, I don't know if it, I don't know if England rocks ever, I feel like it caused a I dip mean, in the This is the, the birthplace tea. of rock and roll. Disagree.
1: England? Okay, not the birthplace, but like, the, the best rock yeah. and roll bands came from Britain, though. Uh, if we are, if we are going to talk about Brexit, I mean, we're talking about the first major geopolitical tremor, um the the brexit vote was absolutely out of left field a shock to the liberal world order and i don't think anyone really saw it i don't think anyone really saw it coming you know i mean we had known about the the referendum for some time but um once the when leave actually won um, that was the first indication that things were starting to go off the script for the first time this year you know that was sort of the uh, the big change
0: okay um Okay, so then in July, we had um, the terrorism on Bastille Day in France. Um, there was a terrorist yep. attack in Nice. Um, Islamic terrorists and Donald Trump are having a super good year.
1: Yeah, you could say that radicals of all stripes have had uh, a pretty solid 2016. We did talk a lot about um, uh, Islamic terror in Europe uh, in our last episode, kind of like uh, we, we spoke about Pulse a little. Um, so to go, if you want more. Actually, a, a lot of the, our past episodes have covered uh, events which happened in July. Um, another big one was the the hacks of uh, Podesta's email, John Podesta's emails, the DNC hacks, which uh, led to the resignation of uh, the most reviled woman in politics, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. I um, feel bad for her. I was in Debbie country. Wonderful people. Yeah, July July was a big month just because it had the conventions. You know, at this point in time, the primaries were over, and it was clear that it was going to be Clinton versus Trump. And uh, the 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 conventions themselves were pretty interesting. Uh, Republican convention.
0: The Republican convention was. Pr- Crime. The Republican convention had both the incredible speech of Tiffany Trump and also the somewhat familiar-sounding tri- uh, speech of Melania Trump, which we Melania later found Trump
1: out... inadvertently yeah. proving to us that Donald Trump was right about immigrants coming and stealing hard-working Americans' uh, work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, be that oh, as it may, it definitely made waves. Um, also, Melania Trump single-handedly bop, uh, brought back the bell sleeve. So there's that
1: moment from the RNC was Ted Cruz snubbing the Trumps. And there's just a great picture of the, the Trump family watching Ted Cruz snub them. And oh, my Lord, do they all look furious. How? It's a very funny picture. They've all
0: had a lot of cosmetics. I mean, that's, that's neither here nor there.
1: Um, no, there's I, no way they'd be that ugly if they all had that much cosmetic surgery. Eric and Donald Trump look, and Donald Jr. look like Beavis and Butthead.
0: Oh, yeah, that's fair. They, they that's do. Totally fair. Ivanka,
1: Ivanka's beautiful, Tiffany's very attractive, and Baron is kind of funny.
0: Baron looks yeah. evil.
1: Baron looks like he should be the star of the new Richie Rich.
0: That's fair. That's, I think, perhaps a little too nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> moving <laughs> um, on to August. Guess what happened in August? Nothing happened in August, except okay. for my boyfriend, Ryan Lochte, slaying it at the Olympics.
1: Once again, I, I feel like you could absolutely choose better Olympians to be your boyfriend than Ryan Locke That man is so Ryan he's
0: a babe. I'm so into it.
1: He's literally he's literally white privilege incarnate.
0: That's my taste.
1: White privilege incarnate? Oh, yeah, eh, yeah. Fair
0: yeah, that's my typical, yeah, that's what I go for.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I feel like a dumbass swimmer also. I, I, I can't imagine that that's really your taste. I feel like a guy who was your taste wouldn't have gotten caught.
0: That's true. That's so, so, so played. true. Yeah, no, definitely. Like,
1: look, if you're going to blame dirt poor Brazilians in a favela for robbing you, You have to be, as, you know, a white, wealthy athlete, you have to be pretty stupid to get caught. And that's what Ryan Lochte was.
0: That's so, so true, though. He could have just been like, they ran away. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, With the Brazil Olympics were a a lot of fun. First, because I'm fascinated with Brazil. I'm going to plug a movie here, but I'd strongly recommend everyone to watch City of God, uh, Cidade de Deus, when they get the chance. It's a great movie about Rio de Janeiro. Brazil is the country of the future, and it always will be. And the Rio Olympics kind of put that on display. Well, a country which fascinates me more than any other. So I I enjoyed the Rio Olympics for the cultural element, if nothing else. Um, Also, it's uh, amusing to watch that Brazil, you know, shamble like a zombie uh, into the future.
0: Cool. So harsh.
1: um, September was kind of a dull month. There was uh, mostly just consumed by uh, the ups and downs of the campaign, which aren't, in my opinion, aren't really worth recounting here. But one thing that happened for me personally was, um, at least that had a big impact for me, was uh, the death of Shimon Peres, um, who was uh, an Israeli politician and one of the last members of the founding fathers of Israel. Um, they're, my, they're personal heroes of mine. You know, I grew up reading about them and uh, having you know, an intense admiration for them. And I mean, you know, they, most of them have died by this point in time. Ariel Sharon died two years ago. Um, uh, the rest of them you know, died over the course of the late 20th century. But With Rabin dead, uh, not Rabin, Rabin died 25, twenty years ago. But with uh, Perez dead, it's um, very like very clearly the end of an era for Israel. You know the the um, the sign that you know the secular progressive Israel that once was, um, that at least Israel was founded as, is, is morphing and transitioning into uh, a country where Bibi Netanyahu uh, uncontestedly holds power.
0: Moving on to October. October was
1: a October was a big month. This was one of the uh, one of the biggest months of the election. And, um, because there were multiple bombshells which detonated throughout October.
0: Do you wanna? Okay, so <laughs> it's like, it's, uh, it's a Republican. You're, where to start. you're
1: the Republican. You can talk about the Republican one oh Oh,
0: good. Oh, good. I get the good one. <laughs>
1: you're also a Republican
0: woman, so. <laughs> I get you know, the fun yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm single handedly affected by this bad boy. Um, it was the, it was the, um, release of the Billy uh, Bush, um, hot mic access, system, which I feel like. I don't know. Something about Hot Mike Billy Bush. It feels like that's the perfect title for this, in a way. Uh, not to be vulgar, but um, it was no. It was it was real bad. Um, <laughs> Billy Bush. Yeah,
1: I I, I will say um, that was bad for it. I remember I was talking to a friend of mine who's been an ardent Trump supporter since essentially day one. Hello, Jared, if you're listening, I hope you are. Um, but I remember he was just morbid uh, after. This, was, this tape was dropped. I mean, I was talking to him, like, you know your campaign is done, right? And, and a like lot I said, this of people is,
0: believed two- that, and a lot of people believed that, too. But um, clearly, uh, about a week later, it ceased uh, to it matter. Was
1: followed up with a bigger October surprise, which was James Comey uh, putting emails back into everyone's mind, which right before the, with less than a week before the votes were to be cast, um, he suddenly cast these same aspersions on the trustworthiness and credibility of Hillary Clinton that uh, Donald Trump had been casting. And, I mean, more so than the hot mic tape, it's clear that the... Comey's decision to, you know, reignite this controversy um, probably was the nail in in Clinton's coffin. You know, it probably put the... It probably was more so than any single thing swung the election against Clinton. I mean, I thought the hot mic tape was going to be the end for Trump.
0: I did, too. And then... Well, no, I think that as a Republican woman, I know. I knew that it wasn't, like... eh you know, women being mistreated by any political party is not you know, surprising. Yeah,
1: um but uh, I think this actually, these two kind of bombshells sort of transition well into uh, November, because I think that the biggest story of November can roughly be summed up as, holy fuck, our president is Donald Trump Correct. Uh, That that really that really was the big story of November No one, no one saw Trump winning, um I'm usually pretty good at seeing this kind of stuff happening. And um, like I said, I, I knew that I always, I'm a pessimist. I always predict the worst. And even in my, you know, wildest dreams, I didn't imagine him winning. Um, we have a man who, uh, shows all intentions of essentially upending the world order, uh, to take office in, you know, less than three weeks. And I think that was really the big thing of November. There was just, awe essentially, uh, of the Trump victory. Um, I don't know. Did anything else big in November happen that you think we should cover?
0: Oh, well, I mean, there's definitely Hillary Clinton's power blazer move, which was um, during her concession speech, she wore this incredible blazer, um, uh, black and purple, which is like Victorian morning colors, which I'm all about. Um, It's an aggressive
1: move. An electoral defeat, but a fashion victory, huh?
0: No, I actually hated the blazer. But, I mean, what I'm saying is it's a power play. Just because it's a power play doesn't mean I have to like it. I'm just acknowledging it. Uh-huh. I took a risk. Don't know if it paid off. Um, but definitely went out there. And I appreciate it. Score one for Hill. Hurt clothes this entire election cycle. Uh-huh. That's a sexist thing to bring up, but, like, I was into it. Um, I actually one uh-huh. time went into work wearing exactly Hillary Clinton's Super Tuesday, Tuesday outfit. Like, down to the pearls. Which, which.
1: which? Which work office? Was it, the one, was it at Smith or was it in, in, on the Hill? Because I feel like imitating Hill. Hillary on the Hill as a Republican is not a solid move.
0: Well, I looked like, I mean, I looked like a white lady in politics. You know what I mean? It wasn't groundbreaking. Yeah, that's fair enough. But it was kind of funny um, because it was also, like right after Super Tuesday, and it was, Super Tuesday was on the TV, and one of the staffers I was working with looked up at the TV, then looked back at me, then looked up at the TV, then back at me. It was really, it was a rough moment. You never know when you're going to find um, some <laughs> ins- inspiration. I bet, evidently, I get it from CNN. Um, not a good place to be. Yeah, I've got to up, start line. reading more Vogue and, like, start watching less CNN, honestly. Um, the other major <laughs> thing that happened in November was uh, Fidel Castro's death, um, which clearly... Fidel. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to change like, too much politically, I don't think, but it's a real symbolic, I mean, loss and yeah. victory for the... I guess people of Cuba and also the expats that now live in the United States. Um, it was. I was disappointed that he
1: didn't die earlier because I was in Miami during the fall and Miami just turned into a, a spontaneous fiesta. I, I would have had a lot of fun. I I've been, never been to Miami because
0: that's Atlanta. my own understanding of the way it is all day long.
1: What well, a little fiesta! A little fiesta. constant fiesta? fiesta. It's it's not. It's, it's not that fascinating. It, it, in fact, it's mostly just uh, Cuban coffee and corruption. I, I actually do love Miami. I will say.
0: Those are the two best things I in America. Thing. Cuban coffee and corruption? Oh, that's fantastic.
1: Cuban coffee is amazing. Super oh good. Oh my god. The, the Latino... The Latin American food is excellent. The Chinese food is less excellent. It um, is what it that's is. That's what I'd say about Miami. You
0: win some, you lose some.
1: Um, yeah, I'll take the Latin food over the, over the Chinese. Oh. time to talk a little about how Cuba-America relations... Are going to be uh, affected under the Trump presidency. I think with Castro dead, it is a very real sign that um, you know things are going to have to start changing soon. And how they change is entirely dependent on how does Donald Trump feel today. Um, I mean, once again, it's like how does Donald Trump feel today? Does he feel like being conciliatory, or does he feel like being belligerent? Um, I mean, it's less consistent than Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz or any hard, you know even probably Mike Pence. But um it's also, you know, I mean there's just that element of uncertainty to it. If I was like a tourism comp see there's one thing I'll say about Trump. His conflicts of interest could actually play in our favor in Cuba, just because um he's a property mogul. You know, you know that he wants to open Trump Tower Havana. And uh, that you know, this these conflicts of interest could encourage him to uh, amplify the reconciliation with Cuba, though this is entirely baseless speculation. You know, it's just the point is we don't know how Cuban relations are going to be affected.
0: Okay. And that brings us into December, the month that we're in now. We still have one day left if we want to go crazy. I don't know if we, if we do, it's been a, the last few days everybody was like, it's the you know, the last le- celebrity death of 2016 was, what did we say it was? Not Carrie Fisher. Um, George Michael. And we were proved wrong. Oh, wait, I put a moratorium on celebrity deaths, so I guess I can't talk about it. But um, December brought the transition, so cabinet picks. Um, some of the most notable were Mnuchin for secretary, uh, James Mattis for uh, defense, Rick Perry for energy, uh, Rex Tillerson for state. Um, there's a couple of other uh, others to discuss, and we've discussed this in past and, I guess, upcoming episodes. Um, but there was a whole lot of, uh, I guess an outpouring of outrage and support both in, in terms of what he's done. I think some of the more symbolic victories for the administration were based in um were they, you know, unofficial cabinet picks. So people like um Reince Priebus as uh an advisor for uh the White House and um oh my goodness, uh Breitbarts
1: um, oh, Steve Bannon.
0: Steve Bannon. Uh, I think those were two of the more yeah, influential, we, we, regardless of whether or not they actually, you know, sit on the, sit on the president's cabinet. So it was kind of an interesting see, uh, way to see how those and Kellyanne Conway as well. Yeah. Those figures, even though um, they weren't I, officially, you know, members of the admi- or official members of the cabinet, are really really influential picks for the administration.
1: Yeah. Um. I also think that uh, one one really quickly, one that I have to comment on, um, which I've I've already spoken about, Tillerson, I've spoken about um, uh, Sessions, Bannon. I think one that's worth talking about is uh, Andrew Pudster, um, the current Secretary of Labor, or the uh, nominee for Secretary of Labor. Um, I mean, I personally tend to lean towards populism in my economic uh, beliefs. I think that, you know, um, uh, making an economy work for as many people as possible in the country is the right choice. Um, so, Pudster is like an economic populist worst nightmare. This is a man who called a $10 minimum wage too high, a man who would rather replace his employees with robots or immigrants because they're always polite, a man who runs two fast food franchises notorious for their crassness, Hardee's and Carl, uh, Carl's Jr. And I mean, in many ways, I think that the Pudster nomination is perfectly symbolic of the Trump victory. Because, you know, these white working class people, and and what do they get? Kind of the shaft. All right. So uh, finally, uh, we get to one of the last major events of 2016, which was uh, the fall of Aleppo. Um, Syrian civil war is uh, vast and deep and complicated, and there's no way, shape, or form that I can really cover all of its complexity in the 30 seconds I've been allotted, but needless to say, the fall of Aleppo at the hands of regime forces and uh, the Russian Air Force um, essentially spells an end to what has been the most destructive geopolitical event of the decade, um, or at least a new phase. And uh, We'll probably cover this more in depth in our next episode, but uh, I the importance of this late um, break in the Syrian civil war. Great.
0: All right. So, um, those are the major events going forward. We don't know what's going to happen. We have about 24 hours left. Um, I think six hours by the time this is posted for 2016 to wreck more havoc. So, I would say, um, Betty White, watch your back because you're not safe. Um, Betty White's personally only walking on it. sidewalks and acting ultra suspicious, um, at least until 2016 is over because... I almost get hit by cars enough as it is, so I don't think I don't think I, I can escape 2016 without being constantly vigilant. So, um, and I suggest that you all do the same. Um, thank you so, so much for listening. Uh, we'll have more in the new year. Our next episode will feature the Syrian conflict. Um, not, not as a guest, but we'll be talking about it. Um, thank you so, so much for listening. Um, please rate, follow, uh, subscribe on iTunes. It really, really helps us out. Um, I've been Teresa Meyer. That's Alex Mollahan. Thank you for listening to Modcast. Modcast.